Let us pray. Father, we thank you again for your word, and we ask you to bless us as we listen to what you teach us through your word. May we have ears to hear and hearts to respond with obedience and love for you. We ask this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. For some of you, uh, this sermon will be an interesting study of a puzzling aspect of our church year. For others, you will find it uh, another boring attempt at liturgical self-reflection. To this latter group, I would beg your gracious patience for a bit and your attention, because we will be getting to a what I think is a very important point um, that is brought out in our church year. For a while, one of the more puzzling aspects of our lectionary for me was the fact that on August 6th, we have the Feast of the Transfiguration, while on the last Sunday of Epiphany, we have Transfiguration Sunday. And I was puzzled, why do we have two remembrances of the transfiguration. And, and why of all the things that Christ does is, why does this get two remembrances and why two? Um, one of the first reasons that is given is often when you, you ask people is, well, August 6th is not always a Sunday. And the hard truth of the matter is, not all the church is going to come to a celebration of the events of Christ's life during the week. So not everyone is going to hear the reading of the Transfiguration story. So they have found a Sunday on which to put it. So more of God's people will hear of the story of God's Transfiguration or Jesus' Transfiguration. And there are some, this is similar, by the way, to one of the reasons given for why we read the Passion story both on Palm Sunday and then again on Good Friday. Why do we do it twice? Well, the truth of the matter is, not a lot of people come to the Good Friday service. So it's important to hear the Passion story, so we read it on the Sunday before Good Friday. This may be a good time to remind us that we have an Ash Wednesday service uh, this Wednesday at 7 o'clock. <clears throat> this is actually important. It speaks to the importance of the public reading of God's Word and the story of Christ. However... This does not answer all my questions of why we have an August 6th feast and why we have a Transfiguration Sunday, as the last, especially as the last Sunday of Epiphany. It's a very specific Sunday. Why that? So I have spent some time trying to work on why this has come to be. And it was not as easy as I thought to find out answers to this question. But here is what I have found along with some what I hope is uh, a bit of educated guessing as well. The establishment of the August 6th Feast of, of the Transfiguration seems to be associated with the dedication of a monastery and churches at Mount Tabor, where we think, where it is often thought, the mount where the transfiguration took place. And this happened, this establishment of the August 6th, the dedication of these churches and the establishment of the August 6th feast 
happened somewhere in the 7th, 8th century. And this was uh, particularly appropriate August 6th because uh, from the very earliest times it was taught that the transfiguration takes place 40 days before the crucifixion. So we have the, the transfiguration at Mount Tabor. 40 days later we have the crucifixion. Now why, what does 40 days have to do with August 6th? Well, 40 days after August 6th is September 14th. And September 14th is the Feast of the Holy Cross. Um, which both the Feast of the... So it's established August 6th. We have 40 days, Feast of the Holy Cross. And these were first established in the Eastern Church. So it's the Eastern Church that first begins to recognize the Feast of the Transfiguration and the Feast of the Holy Cross on September 14th. And so it has a particularly Eastern flavor to it, especially with the, the uh, Feast of the Holy Cross. The Feast of the Holy Cross, unlike a little bit Good Friday, which is another look at the Holy Cross, the Feast of the Holy Cross on September 14th, especially in the East, reminds us of our theosis, the glory that comes from the death of Christ on the cross. It is less looking at the sorrow of the overcoming sin and more of the glory that comes through what Christ has done on the cross. And therefore, the look at the transfiguration in line with the Feast of the Holy Cross reminds us particularly that the glory that we see in Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration is the glory that becomes ours in theosis as we are made like Christ. That, that the cross is making open the way for us to receive this transfiguration. That Christ's transfiguration is not just His, but it is ours as well. This is what we look for and we celebrate this. We celebrate the fact that He, has, he is glorified and that we are brought into that glory with Him. And so we look at His transfiguration and we remember and hope for and pray for our own. The West did not officially adopt August 6th as the Feast of Transfiguration until 1457. And this is associated with the lifting of the siege of Belgrade, which happened on that, that time as well. But it had been observing, it had been observing unofficially the August 6th, 6th Feast for some time, but also it had begun to observe the transfiguration during Lent as well. For the Catholic Church from, from the Middle Ages until today, still today, the second Sunday of Lent is the reading of the story of the transfiguration as well. So they read it second Sunday of Lent and also observe August 6th as well. And uh, one of the reasons they, they want to keep the connection with the cross, the crucifixion, and sort of the 40 days. And the second Sunday of Lent's not quite 40 days. So it's 40-ish days, a little short. But they can't do the first Sunday of Lent because rightfully, as we will see next week, rightfully from the very earliest times, the first Sunday of Lent is always the reading of the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. That is the, 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 right, the right reading for the first Sunday of Lent for many reasons. So they couldn't do the first Sunday, they do the second 
Sunday. And once again, tying transfiguration to the cross, to the passion, and to the resurrection as well. Later, a number of Protestant lectionaries moved it back, moved it back two weeks to what we have now, to the last Sunday of Epiphany, where we're at now. And here's where I'm getting to, sort of getting to my point, if you will, in all of this. Transfiguration on the last Sunday of Epiphany serves as a bridge between Epiphany and Lent. And it is a beautiful bridge. For in one sense, it looks back on what we have been looking at through all of Epiphany. The story of light, God as light. And Christ on Mount Tabor is the fullness of that light before us. It is the glory of God come among us in its perfect state. Here we have before us on the mountain the one who was light from the beginning. The one who is the light of the world. This light that is testified to by the law and the prophets as we see in Elijah and Moses. The light that is being now made manifest to the world and that will be taken to the world by Peter and James and John and all the disciples. This is the light we have been celebrating throughout Epiphany. We have come to love it. And now on this last day of Epiphany, we go up on the mountain with the disciples and we look at this light. And we love this light. And we worship this light that has come to us. But as it is a, a look back at Epiphany, it is also a look forward to Lent and Holy Week and Easter. The Western placement of the Transfiguration at the beginning of Lent, whether the week before or the second week of Lent, shares with August, the August 6th feast the recognition of our place in the Transfiguration. It shares with that connection to the crucifixion the idea that it is, it is in miniature the story of Christ, the Son of God, the one who was in glory and then comes down and is transfigured, if you will, to be a man and goes to the deepest point of that transfiguration on the cross, only then to be transfigured again through the resurrection into glory. And so we see this in short. And that is what we are remembering now, from now till Easter. Placing it at the beginning of Lent looks towards the passion and resurrection but it looks at the passion and the resurrection through the wilderness. It looks at the glory to come through the formative struggle, the struggle against sin and evil that leads to the cross, that brings about our salvation. The transfiguration prepares us for Lent by reminding us of our end and our goal in our fasting, and in our struggle. It is like a Shrove Tuesday meal in which we are to fill ourselves, 
fill ourselves before heading into a fast with the promise that we do not fast without hope. This is a simple point. This is, this is really all I want you to take away from today. The simple point. I want us to take our fasting and our self-reflection seriously over Lent. It is a good and right thing that we do to recognize the reality of sin and evil, not just in the world, but in our own lives. We must do that. We are to do battle with sin and evil in our lives. We are to go into the wilderness as God has sent all of His servants into the wilderness. If you will look at the main characters of the Bible, all of them, all of them are sent into the wilderness. God sends all of His servants into the wilderness for struggle, for transformation, to be transformed through that struggle. And I want us to go into the wilderness during Lent and to take that seriously. But we are not to go unarmed into this wilderness struggle. We take with us the truth and hope of the glory that we find in the glorified Christ in the transfiguration. Jesus says, before I go to the cross, disciples, before I go to the cross, take a look. Don't forget. See who I am. Remember who I am. I'm God and I'm with you. Before you go into Lent, take a look. See who He is. See His glory. And carry the remembrance of that glory with you. And the hope that this is what you are to become. That glory. That purity. We are indeed to look at ourselves in the mirror this Lent. But not without looking at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down with the right, at the right hand, the throne of God. This is what we are doing during Lent. Not just self-flagellation. Not just beating ourselves up. We're looking towards the hope and the glory of Christ. Recognizing that we need to do this over and over and over again. Because while I pray that we will become more purified during this Lent, there will be more work to do next Lent. And the Lent after that. Because this transformation for us is a long process. It is a lifelong process. And that can be wearying. As I said to the children today... I've had my children say to me multiple times, but I'll never, I'll never get past this sin. I can't do it. The transfiguration is the promise that yes, you can. This is what is waiting for you. It is time, it is a process, but this is where we are headed. John tells us it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Perhaps He was thinking of the transfiguration there. And everyone 
who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Fill up on the transfiguration now. Look, to his, look at his glory. And then we'll go into the wilderness looking towards the resurrection. What does Jesus say to the disciples at the end of our, the verse 9 of our reading? He says, don't tell anyone until my resurrection. Right? There is a goal. There is an end to this, the resurrection, as they come down off the mountain. So that's my encouragement to you. Let us take seriously our fast that we're entering into on Wednesday with the hope and the promise that God works in us to purify us and lead us to His glory. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.